I want to tag in uh, Troy Rank to this conversation, who's presented by Rocks Heating and Air, and he joins us on the Johnson Auto Plaza hotline. There's a lot of different directions you could take this conversation, Troy, so I'll just give you a blank canvas. What do you think, after watching that game uh, on Saturday night in Detroit, what is what is something that sticks out like a sore thumb to you that the Lions have and the Broncos don't? I mean, it's speed is the biggest difference. I mean, you look at three of the games they've lost to the Dolphins, Texans, and Lions, the difference in speed at the skill positions, at inside linebacker, it's just noticeable. You just can't watch it and go like, wow. It just reminds you of a team that, you know, gets out on the break and runs and another team that's, you know, more methodical and love to play a half-court game. So that sticks out, uh, obviously. And the fact that if Denver's defense does not produce takeaways, the offense hasn't proven it can carry its weight and win a game. And they may not have to do that over these next three. I would suspect in one of them they will. But that's a, another concerning thing is this: if the defense doesn't get three takeaways, it's like a baseball team hitting three home runs, they can't win. And so that's why I said during their streak that, I'm not sure it's sustainable because you just don't get that many takeaways over a 10, 11 game span. So those are the things that jump out to me. It's not over because they lost to the lions, but obviously now they got to win out and get a little bit of help. Troy, we're talking about the running back position at this point, And you know, I love that position. Um, What's going on? Like, in your opinion, what's going on to the running back room and why are we kind of just an average running, running team? Well, I just, for me, and I love the Javante Williams story. I love everything about him. He looks like he's kind of hit a wall at this point. When you deal with the recovery he went through, he came back faster than most of us expected, myself included. And then the last seven weeks, he hasn't averaged four yards a carry in a single game. He just looks like he's kind of reached, he's plateaued at this point. And during that time, other than one game, Samaje Piran just disappeared from the running game. He was getting one and two carries. And Jalil McLaughlin, they had trouble getting in because anytime he came in, he was getting the ball. So it was a tell. What I would do this week is I would start P. Ryan, give him the run first, bring in Javante as the backup, still figure out a way if there's, you know, 10 plays for Jalil in there somewhere. But for me, I would flip-flop it and go to P. Ryan first. He was running better. He hasn't had as much wear and tear this year, frankly. Uh, he was dealing with a knee injury at different times, but – I would flip him, uh, and it's no disrespect to Javante. Everything about his story is fantastic. I just think at this point with three games left, he just looks like his body is just, you know, he just kind of hit a wall. As Zach mentioned, no explosives. He's not breaking tackles. Like his yeah. whole game derives around seeking violence. I say he's this Batman runner, boom, pow, bang, and he's not able to break that first tackle. And if he's not, that's the issue. And even on the play at the goal line the other night in the controversial sequence that led yeah. to them taking the field goal, all he had to do was go to the pylon. And, pylon and, and what he does is his trademark, he seeks violence, exactly. but he couldn't get through the tackle. And so I would just give him a breath, give him a breather, say, hey, Samaje, you're starting first. Let's see what that looks like and then ride the hot hand. Troy, um, anything else than a 3-0 and finish disappointing for you? It would be disappointing because they're going to be favored in all three games. Now, again, I will say this. I picked them to go 9-8 and eight before the season, and if they finish 9-8, and eight, I do think there's, there's value in that given where they've been the last seven years. So you go 9-8, and eight, you end the stretch of six consecutive losing seasons. So then you enter the offseason with momentum, even if you go 2-1 and one over the last three, that, hey, we've turned the corner, there's been a cultural shift, 
a few pieces away, whatever that looks like, like you can, you can definitely sell that as a huge turnaround from the five and 12 tire fire of the year before rudderless national joke every friggin' Monday and, you know, Tuesday morning to now you're nine and eight and you're moving forward. It would be disappointing because they're going to be favored in all these three games. So you'd think they can win them all. I just said back when people like, well, they're going to win out, including the lions. I'm like, you're talking about a team that's going to go finish the season 10 and one good teams, you know, don't do that. Great teams do. And this team with all due respect, is not a great team. They're good. And when their defense plays out of its mind, they can beat anyone. But until they get to a point offensively where they can take over a game, it's just hard to just sit here and say they're going to win four in a row. They're going to win five in a row. That's hard to say because offensively they're not there yet. Troy, the Sean Payton-Russell Wilson altercation that went down on the field, what's your take on it? Is the media blowing it up? Are we looking too much into it at this point? What's going on? Well, it's, it goes back to a bigger story, which is before the season, the, the main topic centered on can Russell Wilson and Sean Payton work together? Can he, quote, fix Russell Wilson? So it's connected to that narrative, Phil. So it's, that's the issue. It's, you know, when you cover a season, it's chapters in a book. Well, the first chapter, a lengthy first chapter was, you know, Russell Wilson, Sean Payton. And we saw frustration with Sean during the year with Russ over the wristband. A couple other times where he's got into him a little bit in the sideline, nothing like what we saw on Saturday and where he literally was spewing lava like a volcano. And I, what I think happened, and, and I don't know this for a fact, I think Sean Payton was upset over having to blow a timeout earlier in that drive where he now he's down a timeout. It, then he probably wanted to, you know, he, he hasn't given us a complete clear explanation, but I think he wanted to review the Jaleel McLaughlin play and now he doesn't want to lose it because the challenge is tough. They're very rarely overturned in those situations. So he doesn't want to blow a timeout there. And then he's, you know, he's pissed that they don't score a touchdown. And so he sees Russ on the sideline, and it looked like to me like it was the old, I could have challenged you, and if you hadn't blown this timeout, you know, and that goes back to some of the timing issues with Russ getting the play, getting the play out, and they had to blow. I just think it all manifested into that moment. Mm. I do believe that it, it can be forgotten. I've seen Peyton blow up at people. He's had issues with the media, and it is forgotten kind of the next day. The, the referendum on his relationship, defining it by that moment, I think is very sophomoric. The issue is, for me, is the season. Does Russell Wilson fit the Sean Peyton offense? As, as we end the season, whatever that looks like, whether it's 10-7, and 9-8, and eight, does Sean Peyton feel like moving forward – Russell Wilson fits his offense enough to he so as a play caller to move forward with that, and he does he fit it enough to justify the thirty-seven million dollar you know injury guarantee, the fifth day of the league year, or do you say we're willing to eat eighty-five million spread over two years to go to Stidham or a young quarterback because I want to call the offense I want to call, and I think it's holding us back. Those are the questions, not this one confrontation. And the people that say, well, Russ should have got into his face. Like, do you know Russell Wilson? Right. The guy's more positive than Ned Flanders. He's going <laughs> to just lose his mind and scream at Sean Payton. Tom Brady would. Yeah, Dan Marino would. Yep. John Elway would. Yep. I've covered and watched those guys do it. It's not Russell's personality to do it. Now, should have Payton done it like that on a national stage? I don't like it. I don't like yeller or screamer coaches myself, but – what Russ is allowing himself to do is be coached, and he wanted Sean Payton as his coach. He came into this with eyes wide open. He's good friends with Drew Brees, Russell Wilson. And, and Drew got along better with Sean because they think almost identically about everything. But 
everyone knows Sean Payton runs hot. On game day, he is just simmering, simmering. So it, none of this is a surprise, and I felt like at some point we'd see it. But the referendum on the relationship, for me, is the end of the season. Does Sean Payton believe at the end of the year, taking stock, that they're better off moving forward with Russ or paying the money for him to go away and going with a different quarterback? I'm, I'm going to ask you to speculate here, Troy. And, and of course, you're, you're listening to Troy Rank of Denver 7 presented by Rocks Heating and Air on the Johnson Auto Plaza Hotline. Do you think that Sean Payton, because there's only three games left here, the, the, the hourglass, uh, the, the sand, I mean, you can barely still see it in the top of it. Do you think that Sean Payton already has his mind made up on Russell Wilson? Or with three games left, is the jury still out? I'm asking you to speculate. Well, again, if they go to the playoffs, it just seems like it would be difficult to move on from him. If you go 10-7, and seven, reach the playoffs, are you going to start over at quarterback at that point? And, again, it's not as easy. People are just like, look at a different quarterback than Russ. If it were that easy, yeah, I think he would move on. You have to account for the $45 million, $41 million you'd be paying him in one year and then 85 and two. What that does to your roster, they only have six draft picks. So if you're paying one guy $41 million, basically a fifth of your cap not to play for you, then you have to hit on every pick. And based on what the Penner family told me, you know, Greg Penner to my face last March is we're not going to lead the world in free agent spending every year. This was a one-off to get things settled again. So how do you fix all these holes if you blow out Russ? We're going to play Jared Stidham, pay $41 million for Russ not to be there. How do you fill in? You're going to need probably another inside linebacker. You're going to need an edge rusher. You might have to upgrade a running back. Like, they have real needs here. They're not one piece away. So I think it's a complicated question is what I'm getting at. If it was just about the quarterback, I would think Sean would want a quarterback that fits his system a little better. But it's not just about the quarterback. It's about the roster, not just the play caller. Yeah, Troy, uh, it's it's a it's a complicated conversation. It's not cut and dry. It's really not. When you lay all the puzzle pieces out on the table, it's um it's a little bit difficult to put together. It really is, and we're still gathering a couple more puzzle pieces here down the stretch of the season, and it is fascinating. Outside the wins and losses, that Russ conversation, it is hyper hyper relevant. Um, and thanks for having it uh, w- w- with us here uh, this afternoon. You got it, guys. Have a great show. See ya. All right, there he goes. That's Troy Rank presented by Rocks Heating and Air.